We generally take a few moments to just share a few thoughts about Christmas. And I want to give a disclaimer that the thoughts that I'm about to share are thoughts from the Bible. And I recognize that some of you have different opinions about the Bible. Some of you don't know much about it. Some of you don't believe it. But I just want to share what the Bible says. The thing about the Bible is it's, it's, it's actually kind of both attractive and divisive because you'll either be drawn to it or you won't like it. But in the meantime, don't shoot the messenger because I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says about Christmas. And I hope that wherever you are in your journey, maybe you don't believe in God, maybe you do, maybe you have some preconceived ideas about Christmas, but for just a few moments this evening, before we light our candles and go home and sugar plums dance in the children's head, at least that's what they say, at least in the television shows, John Boy comes home, everybody gets along, but it's not the world I live in. Do you live there? We're yelling on the way home, I'm coming back there to beat you, tear your leg off, you know. Why didn't you get the shopping done? Why does that package say from mom and dad and dad doesn't even know what's in the package? We do everything, it's just, we get it. In the midst of all that, let's just take a few moments to talk about Christmas, particularly this year. This has been a rough year, hasn't it? My soul, I never thought we would see something like this. I mean, it's just, the, we often say the world's gone mad, but I think the world's gone mad. It's out of control. So this evening, I want to take a few moments, and the title of my message is a very simple phrase, God sent his son. God sent his son. The New Testament says that on numerous occasions, God sent his son that we might leave, live through him. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. But tonight, I want you to go home. And tomorrow morning as you celebrate Christmas, I want you to remember this. God sent his son. And that's going to make a difference. So the passage that we're going to look at, we, we just read from it. We need to start by answering a couple questions. Number one, who is God and who is his son? Number two, why did he send his son? And then what has been the response to God sending his son? Pretty simple. Who is God and who is his son? Why did he send him? And what has been the response? So we'll go back to John 1 and we'll start by answering this question. Who is this God and who is his son? We read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Now that word God is a profound word throughout the ages. There have been some who have proposed that there is no God that we just made up that idea to bring some sense of comfort to ourselves. However, when you think about it, the majority of people all over the world worship something. There's something innate inside of people that makes them know that there's something greater than themselves. They look at this vast creation and they go, there's got to be somebody out there. And I recognize that everybody's proposing their idea of God. I like to think of him like this, or I like to think of them like this. But the Bible tells us that there's only one God. Now, you might not believe that. That's called monotheism. But at least entertain the possibility that there's only one true God. People sometimes say, oh, Christianity is just a man-made religion. Now, think about this. The Bible says that this one true God exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But yet they're one God. That in itself is enough to blow your mind. 
And someone once said it this way, if you try to fully understand it, you lose your mind, but deny it, you lose your soul. So the Bible tells us that there was God, but in the beginning with him was someone else. And there that someone else is called the Word. Now Jesus has a number of titles in the Bible. That's just one of them. We use that like young people are like pound it or word. But this is a name for Jesus. He's called the Word. And the reason he's called the Word is because what are the purpose of words? The purpose of words are to communicate a message. And when Jesus came to earth, the Bible tells us that he came to reveal God. He had a message to bring. He didn't come down here going, hey, I, what do you guys think? He came down here to bring a message. So he's the Word. Now, who is he? He is God. The Word was with God, and the Word is God. So this mind-boggling truth, there's a God in heaven who has a son who's equal with him. He didn't create him. He didn't rub him on the head and give him a noogie and say, hey, little small fry, you're my son. He's eternal God. But the Bible says this Jesus who was with God in the beginning is also our creator. Sometimes people will say to me, where'd you come from? Meaning, where were you? But let me ask you this, where did you come from? Meaning, how'd you get here? You were born. Is that it? Just happened? The Bible says, before you were born, God knit you in your mother's womb. In fact, not only did God create you, but he created everything through Jesus. Look, all things came into being through him. There's not a plant on planet Earth that doesn't have a little tag somewhere that says made by Jesus. Now, you can go on your way and say, I don't believe that. But that doesn't make it true or not true. So who is God? He's the eternal creator of the world who has a son named Jesus. And through his son Jesus, he created all things. He spoke the world into existence. You know, think about it. Y you can go with evolution. Go ahead. But you're on pretty shaky ground when you think about a round globe spinning around in space, suspended on nothing, rotating around the sun and revolving on its axis close enough to keep us warm, but not far enough or not close enough to fry us, close enough to keep us warm, but not far enough to freeze us. How did it get here? And who's controlling it? The Bible says Jesus upholds everything by his powerful word. You believe that? Do you believe that there's a God and his son Jesus who created us? So, that's the beginning. However, the next question I want us to entertain is this. Well, what's the purpose of Christmas? Well, we're actually going to jump down to verse 14. Rob, if you could find that, it'd be the last slide, because that's kind of the summary. Jesus was the Word. Go ahead, keep going. Or actually, the one right before that. It would be, yep. Verse 14, you had it. It says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What does that mean? God sent his son. How? 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus got up off the throne of heaven, stepped across the stars, and silently whisked his way down into the womb of Mary where he was conceived of a virgin. You go, you don't see that very often. Of course not. That's an absolute astonishing miracle that a virgin would conceive in her womb and that that little baby 
is the Son of God. Jesus didn't begin at Christmas. Jesus became flesh at Christmas. Now, this passage doesn't tell us why. It only tells us what? That he dwelt among us. Jesus downgraded. Jesus went from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill. The Bible says he was rich, but he became poor. The Bible says even though he existed in the form of God and was equal with God, he didn't think that was something he had to hold on to, but he humbled himself and came down to earth and took on the form of a man. You talk about limitations, being the God of heaven and coming down and being born of a baby. Why would he do that? Why would God send his son? The Bible tells us why God sent his son. The Bible says God sent his son to be the savior of the world. What do you mean by that? What is a savior? The Bible says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God sent his son Jesus to come down to this earth and to live the life that we should have lived but we didn't live. To live the life that we ought to have lived but we failed to live. To live a perfect sinless life. But at the age of 33, not because he was a misled prophet or because he was a guy ahead of his time or a fellow with good ideas who just wasn't well received, but in the plan and purpose of God, they took him and hung him up on that cross. Not that one. They hung him on a cross. And the Bible says he bore my sins in his body on that cross. He shed his blood so that I could be forgiven from my sins. Anything less than that is not the Jesus of the Bible. If, you're, if your Jesus is just a little baby, if your little Jesus is just a, a comforting thought or a, a weak little pale fella still on that cross, that's not the God of the Bible. Jesus is the Son of God who shed his blood so that you and I could be saved from the penalty of our sin. I don't know if you know this, but there's a day coming you're going to stand before the living God. As sure as I'm speaking to you, I beg you to believe this, that Jesus Christ is the judge of the living and the dead. You don't even have to wonder where you're going to be. When you leave this world, you're going to be whisked right into the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand before Jesus. The Bible says that. And God proved that by raising him from the dead. So Jesus went up on that cross. Why would he do that? It's very simple. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he sent his son. Can I tell you something tonight? God loves you. Boys and girls, God loves you. I don't even have to ask whether you've been naughty or nice. I'll already tell you the answer to that. You've been naughty. <laughs> and you don't even have to ask me whether I've been naughty or nice because I'll tell you that. I've been naughty. The Bible calls that being a sinner. And if you don't think you're a sinner... You are hopeless and helpless because the Bible says if any man says he has not sinned, he's calling God a liar. I'm not proud that I'm naughty, but I'm glad that God sent Jesus on Christmas to become flesh so he could grow up and he could hang on that cross. And listen, this is so important. When he hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. Ponder that for a moment. 
He didn't say, I paid my part, you do yours. Jesus paid it all. The entire penalty that we owe for our sin has been paid by Jesus 2,000 years ago. And then God raised him from the dead. And when he raised him from the dead, before Jesus went back to heaven, he gave his messengers a very simple chore. He said, go into all the world and proclaim this message. We ain't doing nothing new here, folks. This is the same message that's been preached since 33 AD. Christ came to save sinners, crucified, risen, coming again. So, who is Jesus? He's, he's our creator. He's God. Why did he come to this earth? God sent his son to die for sinners. So the only thing we need to conclude with is, what has been the world's response to Christmas? Mixed reviews. Mixed reviews. Some are glad. Some are mad. Some are sad. Some feel had. Some would rather stay bad. But you don't have to. In fact, John introduces us to these mixed reviews. If we can go back, Rob, to verse 4, we'll see these mixed reviews. When Christ came into the world, the Bible says, in him was life. Can you find that one, Rob? Keep going back. In him was life. There we go, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Sometimes I like the light on, and sometimes I don't. My wife cannot stand that. <laughs> if I enter the room with that, drives her mad. She's photosensitive. Jesus is light. And there's two reactions to light. You like it or you don't like it. The world doesn't like it. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not, now this is a very important word, comprehend it. That word in Greek can also mean to tackle and overpower. And I think John means both. God sent Jesus. How'd the world respond to Christmas? Well, I'm going to sum it up like this. Most people missed it or dissed it. What do you mean? Well, Rob, could you move us down now? They dissed it and they missed it. Go down, if you would, Rob, to verse 9. So it starts here. Here it is. There was the true light which coming into the world and enlightens every man. It gives everybody a chance, just like you're getting a chance right now if you've never heard it before. Or if you've heard it again, you're going, I like to hear this. It enlightens every man. Now look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world did not know him. They missed it. God was here on earth in a body 
walking around like you and me, and they didn't know it. And you say, well, how can that be their fault? I guarantee you, if my brother at the age of 33 said, hey, by the way, did I mention I'm God? I'd have had him put in a white suit and whisked away. But if he said, wait, before you do that, fed 5,000, raised the dead, made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see, I might have pause to go, please hold for the next operator. Jesus didn't just show up down here like a pansy going, please believe in me. He said, if you don't believe my words, believe on account of my works. I, I, I don't know about you, but I think I do. I ain't never heard of anybody else ever doing that. The Bible says, you know about Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God with miracles and signs and wonders which God did through him. Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, lined people up as far as the eyeball could see and healed them one by one. He was in the world. The world didn't know him. But if you remember, the, the God of the Bible had chosen a man named Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a special nation. You're going to be the, the father of the Jewish nation. And I'm going to send my Messiah to you people first. Jesus didn't come first to the Gentiles. He came to the Jews first. He was born in the land of the Jews. He brought the gospel to the Jews. He brought healing to the Jews. His disciples said, where should we go? He said, don't go to anybody first. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to his own. And his own did not receive him. And I can tell you this. There's been a whole lot of people since then who had that same reaction. They missed him or they dissed him. I was in a parking lot today and I saw a man walk by me. Every other word from his mouth was the F word. I don't know what was going on, but you know what bothered me the most? In that sling of F words was his other word, Jesus Christ. Wait, what? Those two words shouldn't even be used on the same planet, let alone in the same sentence. Now, you might not feel that way about Jesus Christ, but to be neutral with Jesus Christ, to not care about Jesus Christ, is to diss Jesus Christ. So the, the, the reality is, this Christmas... Most people are way more worried about Santa than the Savior. And that's not new. But there's good news here. Most people missed or dissed him. But there's something good for us. Some people chose to receive him. Some people chose to receive him. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, what does that mean to receive Christ? Maybe some of you grew up in church and, and, and the Father put a wafer in your mouth and he said, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. That's not what it means to receive Christ. To receive Christ is to welcome him into your life. 
To receive Christ is to throw open the doors and say, Lord Jesus, come in, forgive me, change me, and make me your follower. Someone's knocking at your door. You you don't keep the door shut to receive them. Matter of fact, some friends of mine from Africa, they use that word to pick people up at the airport. They said, I have to go down to the airport and receive my wife. I said, what do you mean receive her? You mean pick her up? Well, they call that receiving. Have you ever received Christ? Well, let's, let's keep going. He says, if you receive Christ, to, to them he gives the right to do what? To listen. Go to the next slide. He gives the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. So let's start with this. To receive Christ is to believe exactly what you just heard, that he's God who created you, he's Lord who came to this earth in flesh, that he died for you, that he rose again, and that he's coming again. And to receive him means that you not only acknowledge him in your head, but you surrender your heart. You say to Jesus, Lord, I want to be forgiven and I'm willing to be a follower. There are so many people who sit in church every Sunday that will not spend one day in heaven because they thought they had to be religious instead of receive Christ. I beg you tonight to receive Christ, to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, whether you've been fighting him, fussing against him, or you didn't get it, or you never heard it, tonight, the best you know how, say, Lord Jesus, please, I receive you, I believe you, forgive me, and I will follow you. And this is what he promised. You will be given the right to become the child of God. Last thing I want to say, and we'll close. Go back to verse 6, Rob. What's been the world's response? Many missed it, many dissed it, Some received him, but mark this down. Ever since he came, people have been proclaiming him. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I consider this an an extraordinary privilege because I didn't grow up a religious boy. I didn't come up going, let me me tell the peons about God. I grew up a punk and and a lost sinner but I know what it's like to receive Christ and I know the power that he has to change anybody. And I'm just getting behind John the Baptist because we read in verse 6, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. Keep going. He came as a what? Verse 8, he came as a witness to testify about the light. Why? So that all might believe in him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Listen, we're going to hold up a candle in a moment. That's not the light. I'm not the light. This church is not the light. John the Baptist is not the light. But I am testifying that Jesus is Lord, that God sent him for you, and that you can receive him. And many of you have done that. And in the midst of all that's going on, I want you to remember this. 
We're being told the world's falling apart, global warming, we're not going to be here in 10 years. We're being told that the COVID's going to kill us all. We're being told that our kids are going to do this, that, and the other thing. But I want to close with this thought. You can tell me that the earth is crumbling. You can frighten me with the waves that are tumbling. You can tell me that our children are trembling. You could tell me that the COVID's got us stumbling. And I can tell you that the politicians are bumbling. But in all of that, I'll tell you this. God sent his son. So whatever you're going through tonight, whatever you have to face tomorrow, don't ever forget, God loves you. And he sent his son. And the Bible says, if he didn't spare his own son, how will he not also freely give you everything that you need? Amen? Amen. Would you bow with me? While our heads are bowed, I just testified about Christ. And now, in the authority of Jesus, I invite you to respond to him. Will you receive Christ now? Do you believe that Christ died for your sins and rose again. And whether you missed him or dissed him, will you receive Christ now? If so, tell him right now, Lord Jesus, I believe that you became flesh and died for my sins and rose again. And right now, I receive you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you the rest of my life as a forgiven sinner. I want to join the multitudes of people who testify that Jesus is Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would like to pray for you if you received Christ tonight. You don't need to be ashamed of that. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come forward, but if you chose to receive Christ tonight, I'm going to ask you just to look up and raise your hand. Is there anybody tonight that says, I want to choose to follow Christ? Yes, I see you. Anybody else? You say, I choose to follow Christ. Yes. Three people. Praise the Lord. Four. Father, I thank you for these folks that have made this decision. And Lord, I pray that you will give them the assurance that Christ is Lord and that he will forgive them and that their lives will be changed. For the rest who need to think about it, may they find no rest until they find their rest in Jesus. And for the rest of us, Father, no matter what's going on, thank you that God sent his son and we can't wait to see him in person. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.